When I retired, with lots of newfound available time, I enjoyed many travel opportunities. This podcast may encourage you to visit, revisit, or experience virtual armchair travel, learning about exciting new venues. Travel is an excellent vehicle for lifelong learning. Welcome to the What Travel Writers Say podcast. I'm Mike Keenan, your host, and today we examine Reykjavik, Iceland. To employ a professional boxing cliché with a population of only 317,000, making it smaller than the southwestern Ontario city of London, Iceland recently proved that it punches far above its weight by defeating England, population 53 million, in the 2016 Euro soccer playoffs held in France. And with the election of a new president, our Canadian-Icelandic connection to this upstart country is Canadian First Lady Eliza Reid, who grew up near Ottawa, Ontario, our nation's capital city. Reykjavik, or Smoky Bay, is Europe's northernmost capital, and Keflavik International Airport has become busy since tourists have discovered that a European side trip comes relatively cheap with airfare from London, England, return, currently at £323, a jet cost, quote, for the summer, and sales prices probably much lower. I spent three exhilarating days in Reykjavik, and I have assembled my favorite five things to do and see in this self-reliant city, whose rugged inhabitants deal with constant volcanic activity, along with earthquakes, avalanches, and an occasional glacial flood thrown in just to keep them alert. Geothermal heat provides inexpensive, reliable, and an environmentally safe energy here. Seventy drill holes varying in depth from 500 to 2,000 meters provide the capital with its hot water. In fact, natural hot water heats roughly 90% of all buildings in Iceland, a most efficient way to heat their buildings. Due to its precarious location, situated over a rift between two continental plates, the high concentration of volcanoes in Iceland is an advantage for the generation of geothermal energy and the production of electricity. During winter, the pavements in Reykjavik are actually warmed. Fancy that as you try to dig your car free from North American snow. 73.8% of the nation's electricity is generated by hydropower and only 0.1% from fossil fuels, making for a healthy, pristine environment. The remarkable tap water that I drink here is cool, pure, delicious, refreshing, and truly addictive. It tastes great. Let's examine my favorite five picks for Reykjavik. Number one, the pearl or pearlan embodies the Icelandic melding of nature and space to accommodate vital community needs. 25.7 meters high, it sits majestically on a hill with 176,000 planted trees, a woodland setting with surrounding nature trails quite rare for a city. 
hollow steel framing supports a glass dome and walls that link six aluminum-sided tanks, each of which can contain 4 million liters of water at 85 degrees centigrade. Hot water is pumped through the metal framework in winter, while cold water flows during the summer, thereby producing a comfortable year-round environment. Perlan was originally designed by Ingemunder Svensson. The viewing deck on level 4 takes full advantage of the panoramic view, as I can see the entire city. There's 10,000 cubic meters of exhibition space on the ground floor, known as the Winter Garden, which hosts concerts and various expos and markets. There are myriad shops, and on the top or fifth floor, there's a revolving restaurant where I dine, it completing a 360-degree circle in two hours' time. Apart from the four-course seasonal meal that was served, there are traditional delicacies such as skir, or reindeer meatballs. The food was pricey, as is food throughout Iceland, for obvious reasons, but it was delicious. Number two, Hallgrimskirka Evangelical Lutheran Church, the largest church in Iceland, was designed in 1937 by Gojon Samuel, inspired by the captivating shapes and forms created when lava cools into basalt rock. The church is named after the Icelandic poet and clergyman Algemer Peterson, 1614-1674, author of the Passion Hymns. The concrete facade exudes the spirit of modernism. The tower reminds me of a now defunct supersonic Concorde passenger jet. Quite tall at 73 meters, it is visible throughout the city and acts as a great reference point for anyone new to the city. Inside, a gargantuan pipe organ, 15 meters tall and weighing a remarkable 25 tons, is driven by four manuals and a pedal. 102 ranks, 72 stops, 5,275 pipes, which produce powerful notes with a tonal range from soft to spectacular. Thousands of tourists visit daily, and I arrive during a wedding. Tower admission is ISK 900 or ISK 100 for children, 7 to 14. 100 ISK equals $1.06 Canadian. In front of Hall Grimskirja, there sits a striking pagan counterpoint, a bold statue of Viking warrior Leif Erikson the first European to discover America in 1000 A.D., 500 years well before the advent of Christopher Columbus. It's a strange juxtaposition because in the first attack recorded in England, Christian monks at Lindisfarne were hacked to death or drowned by Leif's pagan raiders. The statue is a gift from the United States in honor of the 1000th anniversary of Iceland's first parliament celebrated in 930 A.D. Number three, the Harpa Reykjavik Concert Hall and Conference Center by the shore in the heart of the city features stunning views of the neighboring mountains and the North Atlantic Ocean. Inside, it hosts concerts and conferences and offers two restaurants along with its myriad shops. 
The compelling structure consists of a mesmerizing steel framework clad with geometric-shaped glass panels of different colors that demands to be photographed from every angle. The architecture is stunning, complemented by the nearby harbor views. Harpa also houses the Icelandic Symphony Orchestra and the offices of the Icelandic Opera. Harpa was designed by the Danish firm Henning Larsen Architects in cooperation with the Danish-Icelandic artist Olafur Eliasson. Number four, the National Museum of Iceland provides a quick overview of Icelandic heritage and history, and its permanent exhibition, Making of a Nation, includes 2,000 objects dating from the settlement age to the present, as well as about 1,000 photographs from the 20th century. I marveled at a replica of a flimsy ship in which medieval settlers crossed the ocean to their new home. Admission fee, adults 1500 ISK, senior citizens 67 plus, and students 750 ISK. Number five, walking. The capital area is geographically concentrated, so one may easily walk to most sites or use public transportation for slightly more remote visits. Walking beside the ocean on the sculpture and shore walk, I encountered trim-looking joggers and the exquisite Solfar Sun Voyager sculpture created by John Gunnar Arneson. The gleaming steel resembles a Viking longship facing majestic Mount Esja. It is a popular photo stop during the summer's midnight sun. Another sight to see along the way is the Hofti House built in 1909 one of the most beautiful and historically significant buildings in the Reykjavik area, and best known as the location for the 1986 summit meeting of Presidents Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev that marked the eventual end of the Cold War. Reykjavik is believed to be the location of the first permanent settlement in Iceland, which, according to Ingelfor Arnarsson, was established in A.D. 874. Until the 19th century, there was no urban development in the city location. At the airport, when reluctantly leaving Reykjavik, I noticed the colors of Iceland's flag. Symbolic, they are red for volcanic fires, white for the snow and glaciers, and blue for the skies above. Perfect for such an amazing, self-sufficient country. If you would like to read my published travel articles about Reykjavik, Check out my website, whattravelwriterssay.com. And if you'd like to view countless pictures taken during this trip, visit my Pinterest boards at pinterest.com slash mustang6648. Once again, my website is located at whattravelwritersay.com and my photos are located at pinterest.com backslash mustang6648 backslash. We conclude each podcast with an appropriate travel quote. Today it's from Charles Corral, who said, Thanks to the interstate highway system, it is now possible to travel across the country from coast to coast without seeing anything. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, contact me at mjk6648 at gmail.com. That's mjk6648 at gmail.com. Happy travels and tune in next week for another What Travel Writers Say podcast.